It's good to feel the Spirit of God move, isn't it? You have your Bibles this morning, and we'll get right into the message. Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter number 3. Daniel chapter 3. I'm not going to preach on the lines then, but uh, sometimes during Sunday school, I'll go get out of my office and I'll roam the halls. And uh, so you teachers, I'm listening to you, believe it or not. And, I'm, and uh, I'll tell you what, everybody here teaches some good stuff. And I was walking by Carrie's class. And believe it or not, I could hear Carrie through the door. Can y'all believe that? And I know that's hard to believe, but I did. I walked by her class and I heard her start talking about Daniel. And uh, she was teaching the kids about Daniel and the lion's den. And I'm going to focus on something a little bit different this morning. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 14. We're going to read verses 14 through 18. If you found your place, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 14. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that ye serve... That you do not, do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." Then he asked a question. He says, And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? That's a very interesting question. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, I just stand in awe this morning, Lord, that you came to Cookville, Tennessee. Lord, and your spirit has, has dwelt among us this morning. God, I thank you so much for that. And Lord, I just pray that as we go from the singing service into the sermon, God, that you would just, Lord, your spirit would continue to manifest himself in this place. And God, that you would be glorified in what is said this morning. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. And God, that you would touch me, Lord, as unworthy as I am this morning. And God, give me your words. Lord, let your message go out with, with great clarity this morning, God. And, and let people have an open heart and an open mind to understand what you would say to them this morning. God, I pray that you would use me as only you can. And God, that you would get every bit of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've known this story for a long time. And we all know the end of it, or at least I hope we do, and we'll get to that later. But the children of Israel, they're in a bad spot right now. See, several years ago, or a few years ago previous to this, this was about 3,000 years ago, the children of Israel have been taken captive by the Babylonians. 
Now, if you wanted to meet a bad group of people, it was the Babylonians. They served so many other gods, and they were, they were very pagan in everything that they did. And, and they would just go, and, and their, whole, their whole objective in life was to just see how many lands they could conquer, how many people groups that they could take over, and how much wealth that they could gain. And during their conquest, just a few years before this, they had shown up in Judah. They had shown up in the the nation of Israel, and they had taken it over. In fact, if if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and I won't take you there, it actually says this, that they didn't have to do a whole lot to take it over, but that God actually just gave, gave the whole children of Israel over to the Babylonian Empire. Now, does that not seem like an odd thing for God to do? Doesn't it seem strange to you that God would just turn these people over to their enemies without much of a fight? God did that, but there was a reason that he did that. See, God had sent many prophets for many years. Isaiah had come and and Ezekiel and all these minor prophets and they had stood up and they had preached and they had prophesied for many years and they have told the children of Israel over and over and over again, if you'll just repent of your sin, then God won't have to do this. And over and over and over again, guess what they did? They just continued to reject God. They continued to reject what God had to say. And so God did exactly that as he turned them over to their enemies. And they came and then they went into what we call the Babylonian exile. And so the children of Israel were rounded up just like cattle. They were just put in a big herd and they were marched to Babylon. They were taken out of their homeland. They were taken away from the things that they knew and all the comforts of home that they had once had and they were thrust into this pagan society. And on into Daniel chapter 1, I'm just laying a little foundation here this morning. On into Daniel chapter 1, you see that King Nebuchadnezzar, he has the chief eunuch to, to pick out the very, very best of the young men of Israel. And he goes about and he goes through all the people. And I don't know how he did it, but, but I can imagine maybe he had them line up in front of him. And he, and he went and he picked out these, these men, these young men. And their objective was to take these young men, these young Israelite men, and, and to basically just, just paganize them, to make them bad, and to make them reject their God, and to serve the God of the Babylonians. And so... With that being said, that's where we get Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's where we get these young men. Now, doubtless, there were were others chosen, but God chose to highlight these men. And I think there was a reason that God chose to highlight these men. I think it's because they had a backbone like nobody else did. They had the wherewithal to do what God wanted them to do and they wanted to stay in the center of God's will. And so we arrive here in Daniel chapter number 3 and Nebuchadnezzar has set up a golden image. And in the beginning of the chapter verse, uh, chapter number 3 it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits or about 90 feet and the breadth of six cubits and set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. And so he set this golden image up and he told the people, he got everybody together, he gathered everybody up into this plain of Dura and he told them, he said, as soon as you hear the music start playing, he says, you bow down and you worship what I have set in front of you. 
And then he said, if you don't, you know what happens. Everybody knows this story, right? Most people are familiar with this story. Tanner, you know this story, don't you? (laughs) He told them, he said, if you do not fall down and worship this image, he said, then I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. I'm going to kill you. And it's not going to be a death where I just stick you with a sword or, or shoot you with an arrow and it's over with. No, being burned alive is one of the worst deaths that you could possibly think about dying. It takes a few minutes. And so King Nebuchadnezzar told all these people that, told everybody in the kingdom to do that. And so the music played and everybody bowed down except for these three. And so where we picked up our reading today in chapter number 14, it says that the Chaldeans went and told Nebuchadnezzar, and he brought these young men up. These men were probably, these young men were probably teenagers. They were probably maybe 15 or 16 years old, and they were brought before who was considered to be at the time the most powerful man in the world, Nebuchadnezzar. And they were given an audience of the king, Now I want to tell you, I want to stop right here and just tell you this. That if you do what's right, God will use you for good. If you do what's right. And these men had refused to bow down. Now I want you to imagine that they're standing here in this plain, a very maybe a flat spot is what I think about as a a plain. And maybe they could all see this. This thing was 90 feet tall. Our our room here is 60 feet long, so you can imagine half again as long as this room standing up. So this was a gigantic statue. And they see this, and they hear that music, and everybody begins to bow down and to worship this image that he had set up. But I can imagine that maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there next to each other might have looked over and said, Hey, do you remember what Moses told us when the children came came out of the wilderness? I believe he told us something like, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Or thou shalt not worship any graven images. Do you all remember that from the Ten Commandments? And, And God is very serious about that. Do you understand that? That when God gave us the Ten Commandments, that he meant those things. That it wasn't just something that he half heartedly gave us that that if we want to live by it, we can. And if we don't live by it, then oh well. When God said it, he meant that. He meant for us to have no graven images. He meant for us to serve no other gods. And these young men took that very seriously. And so they refused to bow down. And they were brought up, and I don't know about you, but just something about burning alive just, just don't sit right with me. And with just that thread, I, I would probably be nervous, but they're brought before the king, and, and the king actually gives them another chance. He gives them an audience, and he says, if you'll just bow down to what I have set before you, he said, I won't kill you. And so very quickly... I'm going to go into this scripture just a little bit deeper. The first thing that I want you to see in what we read this morning out of Daniel chapter 3 is the response that they gave the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now that right there, normally we just read over that and we don't think a whole lot about it. We're getting to the things that they said here in a minute. But this is very important that they answered and said to the king that we're not careful to answer you in this matter. 
They said that, that we're not going to think about it, that we don't have to dwell on it, that we don't have to take a vote and see what we think amongst ourselves. Hey, guys, if two out of three of us vote to do it, then we'll just do it. No, they said, King, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. That it was so, their, their response, it was, it was actually automatic. They didn't have to think about it. And I think that, that we can take a lesson from them that when it comes to, to sin or when it comes to things that are contrary to what God says, that our responses should be automatic. See, if they would have bowed down, that would have been sin. That was against God's law. God said you don't do it. And there are many things in the Word of God, and, and I won't go too deep into them, but, but things that we think about that we face every day, it may not be bowing down to an idol. It may not be committing a great sin or what we think of something big, but we face many decisions every day and situations are put in front of us. And how many times do we have to stop and think about, can I get away with this? Can I do this? You know, these guys, I, I, they didn't think, well, I wonder what those guys will think if, if we don't do it. Or nobody will notice, hey, everybody's bowing down, so it must be okay. See, I tell you what we have in Christianity today that we shouldn't have is that we care a whole lot about what other people think of us. Wouldn't you agree to that? I mean, I care uh, to a point what people think. I, I want to be perceived as, as someone that, that, that does right, but I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. But see, the thing about it is, is God told us to stick out like a sore thumb. God said that we are a separate people, that we are to be different from those around us, that we're to be different from the world. And if they're going to bow down, let them bow down, but we cannot do that. And so we see their response to the king. They were not careful to answer him. They, they didn't think about it. And then we move on to the next verse and we see their resolve. We see why they did it. They had a backbone. It says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now imagine the situation that these young men are in. I, I, I alluded to it a few minutes ago, that they have been plucked from their homes. That, that maybe in their minds it seemed like God had somewhat abandoned them. And no doubt many of the children of Israel, and they actually did, they questioned God. And they said, God, why in the world would you let us get in this shape that we're in right now? They said, God, why would you let us be put into captivity? In fact, Psalms records a, a psalm or a song about these people, and it said that they had taken their harps, their instruments of worship, and they had actually hung them up on the willow and sat down and started feeling sorry for themselves and said, if, if God's going to put us in this situation, why should we serve him? These men were taken at an early age, probably just youngsters, just teenagers. And the thing about teenagers, how many teenagers do we have in here? We got Daniel, you're the only teenager. Mark's a teenager, yes, sir. We got a few teenagers in here. I don't know if y'all know this about teenagers or not, and, and this might come as a surprise to y'all, but teenagers are easily influenced. Did you know that? Can you say amen right there? That's the truth. Daniel, are you easily influenced? I mean, the world gets that haircut and look at Daniel. Amen. 
I got you, didn't I, brother? Teenagers are easily influenced, and no doubt that these young men, and so many of them were taken, and so many of them said, you know what? If God's just going to let us go into Babylonian captivity, why should we serve Him? If this is happening, why should I serve God? And I look at situations that we face, and, and I look at the condition of the church and the condition of the world today, and it seems like a lot of folks are living in captivity. And a lot of folks question why things happen to them and why they are in various situations. I think about what we talked about earlier with Sister Rosa, and no doubt she's, she's wondering why in the world this had to happen. She didn't ask for that. She didn't want that to happen. Sister Anna didn't want to be in the hospital. Brother Bill didn't want to have to deal with that. And we faced so many situations that we did not put ourselves in. We didn't get there on our own. It wasn't that we, we sinned and God is punishing us in a lot of situations, which He was the children of Israel. But we get in these situations and we get down and out. But I think it's very important that we note something. If you still have your Bibles out, and I hope you do, turn over just a couple of pages, just for a minute. This won't take but just a moment. Back to chapter 1. You go back to chapter 1, and he pulls these young men out. And verse 7 says this. I want you to read this. It says, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and unto Mishael of Meshach, and unto Azariah of Abednego. And we don't pay a whole lot of attention to that, but I want you to understand that the king wanted to strip these boys of their identity so much that not only did he take them away from their homes, take them away from their parents, away from the things that they had learned, but he actually changed their names to Babylonian names. He was completely trying to change their identity. But it's something that we don't, don't really pay attention to a lot of times. But if you look up their names, we always call these guys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That's who we grew up hearing about. But their names are actually the Hebrews' names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their names. That's the names that God gave them. And these names had a meaning behind them. And I looked them up, and, and Hananiah, the Hebrew name Hananiah means this. It means God has favored. The word, uh, the name Michelle means who is what God is. His name is a question. Who is like God? And then I like this one, Azariah. His name means this, Jehovah has helped. Jehovah has helped. So I believe that when they were answering the king's question, that all they had to do was just think about their names, and that was quick enough to give them an answer. Amen? All they had to think was Azariah had to think, hey, my name means Jehovah has helped. And the other one thinks, who, who, is, who is like our God? And, and all these wonderful names. And they said, we know that God can help us. We know that. And you know this, that we carry a name too. You know, it's wonderful that, that I was born Seth Price and Tanner was born uh, Tanner Higgins and Cecil was born Cecil. But you know that, that when, when he wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life that he gave us a name and we ha all have the same name. You know what that is? Christian. We all have that name. 
and it means Christ-like. And so there's a whole lot in the names that we can take out of this. And so they're about to be thrown into this fire. They're threatened with a fiery death. And he says, you know what? God can help me. And he has, he has so much faith. And I love how he says it. He says, if it be so, he says, if you throw me in the fire, he said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And that's great. They knew that God could help them and that God is completely capable. And I believe that we can all agree in this church this morning that no matter what situation that we are in, no matter how bad it is, whether it be that we're close to death, we're sick, or, or we're struggling, somehow that God God is able to deliver us out of that. God is able to deliver us out of anything. He has all power. But then we go to the next verse and the tenor of the whole thing kind of changes. He says, if it be so. But then he says, but if not. But if not. See, what a lot of folks are facing in life is the but if not. And that's where we really get discouraged. It, we get on fire, and, and, and no pun intended there that we get on fire, but, but we, get, we get excited when God does great things for us. And we love to testify when God heals us of our sickness or when God delivers us from some situation or God blesses us in some mighty way that we could have never done our own. We love to testify about that. We love to tell people and say, hey, look what God has done for me. Look where God has brought me from. But sometimes we face but if not. See, I see people every day facing but if not. And I keep going back to it, but, but since Thursday, my, day was, my week was, was pretty normal until Thursday. And I got that phone call about Anna. And God can deliver her from that. Do you believe that? She's got two veins on the back of her neck right now that are very clogged. And it's too dangerous to do surgery, they said. God can deliver her from that. But if not, she still has to serve the Lord. Brother Bill still has to serve the Lord. Amen? We face situations. There's, I mean, you, you come in here on Wednesday night during, during, in, in the adult class when we meet in the sanctuary, and we hear about so many sick people, don't we? I mean, it's just it's this constant sickness and, and constant things that are going on in people's lives. And we, we hear about the things that are going on in the world. And, and we say, God, you can, you can deliver us from this. But the thing about it is, a lot of times we live in the but-if-nots. And we have to have the faith regardless. You know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said? And what we might say if we're not careful? Yeah, we'll serve him if he delivers us. But they could have said, but if not, we won't serve him. And I see a lot of people do that. I see a lot of folks that are facing bad situations and, and God, for whatever reason, chooses not to deliver them. I wish I knew why some people have to go through the things they go through. But to be honest with you, a lot of times I don't have an answer for that. My answer is that God is sovereign and he knows I don't have to have an answer. And the thing about it is, is, is that God doesn't have to give you an answer. Nowhere in the Bible did God say, I'm going to reveal everything to you and you're going to know the end of the story and you're going to figure it out. No. 
you don't know. And these men said, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. He says, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They said it and they meant it. And they were going to face the results of that. They knew what was about to happen. About to happen. <clears throat> then we get into verse 19. It says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore spake he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then those men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men which took them. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. You know, when those guys were bound up, they had no idea whether or not God would deliver them. They didn't know that. They had no idea. And, and when they got to the fire, they no doubt, they felt the heat off that fire. And they maybe saw those men dropping like flies around them as the fire destroyed them. And they were pitched in there. They were just thrown into the fire like a stick of wood. And I play it out in my mind. And I can imagine that maybe they closed their eyes and they prepared for the worst. And that when they hit the ground, it says that they were just thrown in there. That all of a sudden, maybe I can imagine that when we're scared, you know, we close our eyes, don't we? Because we all know that... Fear, when we close our eyes, it just makes everything go away, don't it? Or at least we think. It's a mental thing. And they close their eyes, and then they open them, and they looked over and they see each other. And then all of a sudden, they feel that their hands are free. And they feel that their feet are free, and they think, well, what are we going to do? And so they decide to get up and do something. They decide to start walking around, don't they? And so we go on in the story. Pray for my voice this morning. Where's that water? <clears throat> Lacey, she she was she was yelling at me, so I was yelling back. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't yell at my wife, and if you do, you need to repent. Amen. And we move on in the story. <clears throat> Verse twenty four. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound? into the midst of the fire. And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. I like this right here. The, this, is the, this is the climax of the story right here. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He said, I saw, hey, we cast three men. He started counting them. And he thought, well, maybe I counted one twice. Maybe I'm seeing things. I don't know. Maybe the fire's so hot that the, the heat's making, is messing with me. And he started counting. And he even asked the guys. I mean, he was confused at this point. Started scratching his head and said, did y'all throw an extra guy in there or what? No, king, we threw three. 
And then he realized, you understand, this was a pagan man. This was a man that did not know God. This was a man that was just worshiping a graven image. And he even recognized the Son of God when he saw him. Amen? And I want to tell you this, and you know it already, church, and this is what we normally preach, that no matter if you get thrown in the furnace or not, that he will be with you. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. He says that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That even if we have to deal with the consequences of our actions, even if we have to deal with things standing up, that God is still there with us in the middle of it. It didn't just because we, we end up in a bad situation doesn't mean that God goes away. It doesn't mean that, that we're treated any differently, but that God is right there with us. I want to tell you this. And you probably know it already that the world would love for us to bow down. The world would, would love for each and every one of us as a Christian to renounce our faith. That's what they were asking them to do. They were asking them to turn their back on God. To backslide on the Lord and say, you know what, King, you're right. I'm just going to serve that image. It, I mean, I'm, I'm in the bad situation. I don't want to be here. So I'm just going to do what you say. But no, they had a backbone. And they refused to bow. And sometimes, you know, Christians, when you think of a Christian, you think of a, or you're at least you're supposed to think of a meek person, a humble person, somebody that, that goes about doing good things, right? That's, that's, that's the image you're supposed to conjure up of a Christian. But you, did you know that sometimes a Christian has to buck up against the system? That sometimes a Christian has to do things that are not popular and he has to go against the grain and do things that the world says we don't need to do that or we need to go in this direction. We have to say, no, I refuse to do that. I think about a guy, I mentioned this a couple of Wednesday nights ago and, and some of you may remember it. There's a guy out in California and, and if anybody is from California, I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But I don't want to offend you, but that's just not a place that, that I would want to be a pastor. I'm going to be honest with you. I like being a pastor in Tennessee. And he's a very famous author. His name's John MacArthur. Many of you have heard of him. And the governor out there told him, he said, you can't have church in your building anymore. He said, if you do that, he said, we're going to fine you $1,000 every time you do. He said, and if you, if you keep doing it, we're going to take you to jail. We're just going to lock you up. And so this pastor had to make a decision. You know that? He really did. He had to make a decision in his heart. I don't know if the deacon board of the church or the, all the leadership got together or maybe he made the decision on his own. I'm not sure. But whether or not how it happened, John MacArthur said, I am not shutting my church down. He wasn't doing it to be rude. He wasn't doing it to be hateful. He was doing it because people still need to hear the gospel. People still need to hear the word of God in the midst of everything that is going on. And he was willing to face the consequences. He was willing to go to jail. He was willing to, to pay the $1,000 fine every time they met. He said, I'm okay with that. He said, God will take me through this. And if he would have ended up in jail, you know what? That would have been one of those but if not situations. But if God doesn't deliver this from me from this, I'll go to jail. I'm happy to report to you that this week that that went to a judge in California. And you know what the judge said? The judge said, hey, the government can't tell a church when they can and cannot meet. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. 
God saw him through that. God took that man through that. And you know why I believe God blessed him? Because he stood for God. He said, I will not bow down. I will not do what, what the world's doing. I, I won't shut down just because they say I have to. I understand this is real, and, and I'm not trying to minimize any of this at all. Don't, uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. But sometimes you have to stand up. And if it's not that, it's other things that you have to stand up for. You have to be willing to be different. You have to be willing to go against the grain. It may cost you popularity. It may cost you a position at your job. It may cost you a whole lot of things. And just like these young men, these teenagers, it may cost you your life if it comes down to it. But you cannot bow down. We cannot afford to bow to anyone but God. We cannot afford to bow down to anybody but Him. If we do, I believe that the the church will just crumble. That we might as well close the doors if we're willing to bow down to anybody except God. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you for your wonderful word. Lord, I thank you for the example. And Lord, I thank you that these young men, I thank you that they had the wherewithal to stand up. And that, Lord, even facing what they knew was going to be death, Lord, that they might have been killed for their stand, Lord, they were willing to stand anyways. And God, I think about Ephesians chapter 6. And your word says that when we've had, having done all to stand, to just stand. And Lord, I pray that, that as many people bow down and many people give in, to sin and worldly things and and serve things beside you. God, I just pray that you would deal with those folks. And God, that, that the ones that are standing right now, whoever they may be, God, that you would strengthen them. And that, Lord, no matter what situation it may be, God, that you would help us through to the other side. And Lord, if, even if you don't, even if it doesn't turn out like we think it should, God, that we would continue to serve you anyways. God, we praise you. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.